so I wanted to, you know, it, it might sound as though I feel watching television or living, you can't avoid everything bad and negative. Hmm. But I wanted to turn to one thing that we've also discussed quite a bit, which is modern media can help itself, but be diverse in how it views and deals with substance use. And it can't help but being diverse because in reality, people use and view substances, drugs and alcohol in diverse ways. So the more expressions, the more channels, the more streaming that goes on, the more these things are going to come out and they're unavoidable. Um, and in many cases, they present things in ways that, um, that we're more favorable to because they're more realistic and B, because they're more positive. Um, the outcomes are more positive. And um, another topic we often discuss is trauma and how there's a pall of trauma over American society. So I just want to begin by reading something. Um, in, there was an essay in the New Yorker magazine in 2021 by a man named Pinal Segal, where he analyzed the ubiquity of the America trauma plot. The reliance in books and on television on stories that define characters by their pain, their guilt, the weight of their suffering. Trauma narratives are limited by their need to portray what trauma does annihilate the self, freeze the imagination, force stasis and repetition, which is addiction. It's another way of describing addiction. And he's pointing out something. I mean, we talk about how trauma therapy is the center and trauma theory of addiction theory, but it's much broader than that. You can't have a television show or a series that isn't steeped in trauma. And so, I wanted to talk about something that deals with substances and trauma in a different way. And it's not something unknown. Um, it, I, it'll, I'll center it around Jason Bateman. Um, but um, there's been a four part series, uh, four seasons of Ozark, which is the number one, according to USA Today, streaming program. He was the star of it and the director of some of the uh, episodes, and he's the executive producer. So already you're thinking, man, that, that's a lot of work. Um, uh, Ozark was both critically acclaimed for its quality and can see, I'm reading from a review, achieved consistently high rankings. Even as the last season was delayed by the pandemic and it's 14 episodes for season four, were divided into two parts really separately. And this is my commentary. The series has an infinite number of moving parts, evolving subplots, alternating characters and stars coming and going. And it has to end up on a spot landing. At the end of four seasons, they're done. Um, they has to have a conclusion. And I'm just thinking, how does anybody do that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have writers, you have directors, you have talented people, but what an achievement. Um, he's the executive producer and star Bateman. He somehow had to act 
with a bunch of different people. Some came early on and then they came later. He has, he's the executive producer. I guess he has to negotiate salaries and billing for all of them. And then, you know, when they're not shooting and they're setting up shots, he has to have coffee and wine and dinner with them and all the acting interstices that are time together. And he has to do the same with the writers and the directors involved in the show. How does a person do that? I mean, I like to feel, and you like to feel we have certain skills, but that's a stunning achievement that a human being could do that. And the, the bottom line of the review was Ozark cements its place in season four among Netflix's best dramas with its final episodes. And everybody seems to love Jason Bateman. Um, the, breakaway, the breakout star is Julie, Julia Garner, who plays Ruth Langmore, and she won the Best Supporting Actress for a series uh, Emmy. And when she won the Emmy, she just blurted out how much she loved Bateman. So, and everybody seems to love him. So I'm just saying, gosh, who is it? He's not a real public person. Um, by the way, in his personal life, he's been married to Amanda Anka, the daughter of Paul Anka, who was a big pop star in the 50s and 60s, for 20 years and counting. That's what they always say. And they have two children. In other words, he's like got a normal life. <laughs> um, I, Bateman hasn't written a memoir, uh, but he's given a couple of interviews. Um, it sounds like he could do a trauma memoir if he wanted to. Him and his sister, Justin, were childhood stars, and they supported their family with their acting and their earnings. Uh, we've, known, we've heard of a lot of child actor stories that haven't ended up well. Uh, he never finished high school because he began acting. His father managed his career until Bateman terminated the relationship when he was 20. Huh. That doesn't sound good. Um, he refers without going into details to being intermittently in touch with his parents and it's not being a good situation. So you can smell, I mean, he was already a, as a teenager acting and making a lot of money. His father was managing his career. At the age of 20, he divorced himself from his father and took over managing his own finances. And he says he's not really that much in touch with his family. Um, you know, Sounds like there's a story in there that could be told if he wanted to. Sure. <clears throat> and after being something of a childhood star, Bateman's career languished somewhat um, until he was a central character in Arrested Development, which was more of a cult hit. You know, it was canceled because uh, off of Fox Television because it didn't really uh, Fox uh, the Fox Channel because it, wasn't, it didn't really build up a big audience, although everybody thought it was really good. So here's a per, he's now in his 50s. So he's a person who could have described the trauma of his upbringing. He could have entered rehab, um, but he never has. He's hung in there. He's always worked. He's always done credible things. And now at the age of 50, he's created a streaming masterpiece. Hmm. How does a person do that? So I just, I'm just, you know, we've talked about people whose lives ended badly and careers ended badly. He's the same age approximately as Johnny Depp. 
Johnny Depp was a much bigger star than Jason Bateman ever was. And now he's plummeted. Um, we talked about Naomi Judd, who committed suicide. And for some reason, Jason Bateman has gone through life, which has had some ups and downs. And now he's having his greatest triumph in his 50s. So you can imagine him going downhill at the point that he cut ties with his father and and uh, or you can imagine him having a rough go in life and somehow he's in the spotlight. Someone might say, well, look at his relationship with his family. It diminished and uh, he was a childhood star and didn't really have a good upbringing. And um, he was traumatized by acting in general. I mean, he couldn't go back to it because he's, um, you know, his whole experience with acting in general was that it was tormented relationships. But he did something else. He kind of. He was married. He had a family. Maybe he figured, I'm not as rich as Johnny Depp, 27 million a picture, but this is a pretty good living. Yeah, right. I make more than a lot of people. Right. I mean, now he's created a show that each episode is like a cultural event. So uh, it's funny that you could do that at the same time as having a, what some people might call a traumatic background, living a casual, good, balanced life. I mean, And nobody talks about it. He, I, he, he's 55-ish. I, he hasn't written a memoir. He certainly hasn't gone in trouble and on trial for beating his wife. I, I don't know. If he writes a memoir, well, there are memoirs where people write about overcoming trauma, by the way, uh, in a positive way. So that happens. And, and who knows? Maybe he doesn't maybe think of it as trauma. When he talks about his detachment from his parents he, he says something low-key seems like a low-key guy he says something like well it's not a good situation he doesn't berate anybody and so i just want to point out a local hero as opposed to after i point out these deadly marriages these careers going down in flames people committing suicide that there are human beings out there that overcome adversity in their careers and it's somewhat in their early life. I, you know, I can't characterize divorcing your father, firing your father as your business manager. It's not for me to call that a trauma. And then I want to take a little bit of a side trip. I began by talking about how the diversification of media and streaming has made it impossible for us to get one story about substances. And uh, Ozark contains every story about substances. I just, I don't know if I'll be able to remember all of them. The two leading characters are Ruth, um, who is, you know, kind of a down home. I don't know, in Brooklyn, we might call her an Oki. And Wendy, uh, Wendy is, the hero played by Jason uh, Bateman's wife, she's Wendy Bird. Wendy Bird and Ruth both drink constantly. It's a part of their characters that they drink all the time. You never see Ruth without opening a beer can. Now, oh, and both of those characters have traumatic parenting. At the beginning, you see Ruth fighting with her, her father and her uncle are career criminals. 
and I can't, it's been so many years now. They end up dead. I can't remember if she had some way of being implicated in their death. I can't remember that anymore. Um, when, at the end, Wendy's father, who abused her, I don't think in any physical sense, but who always criticized and attacked her, shows up at the end of the picture. So they both could qualify as abused people. Um, Ruth never is shown without drinking a beer. And Wendy is never shown without drinking wine. And when things get rough for Wendy, including when her brother died, which she was implicated in, mm -hmm. and her brother Ben had an affair with Ruth, it's something's going on in here about families that I'm not, somebody's gonna have to do a PH dissertation. She drinks straight vodka. And I'm, I had an, you know, at night, the thing that kept me awake was, are Ruth and Wendy going to go into AA? Hmm. No, they both ended up their lives satisfactorily in terms of who they are. Um, you know, Wendy ends up with Marty Bird escaping this drug lord situation. Uh, Ruth doesn't end up as well, but both of them are true to themselves. They're people that drink constantly. At the same time that that happens, her father shows up and he's a religious hypocrite who abused her, but he's appealing and he's luring her two kids away. And he's portrayed as an alcoholic. He drinks constantly, he's throwing out empty bottles all the time, yet he's strangely appealing. So we have Wendy and Ruth, uh, and Marty Bird drinks wine with his wife, but. He never, he doesn't drink straight vodka like she does when things get rough. We have all these varieties of using alcohol. Now remember their business, the whole thing is predicated on the heroin trade. And at one point, Ruth is trying to upgrade their heroin market. And so she's offering it to a Chicago businessman. And um, he says, well, let's see you try it. And she says, no, I don't do that. And then he says, what, are you gonna, and so she snorts some heroin. But she doesn't become a heroin addict. They go against that whole myth. Well, mm -hmm. Charlotte wants to do it. And then he does go too far. And I think she mentions it to him, the guy that she's counting on setting up a Chicago business connection. And he says, you know, you're right. I've been using it too much. And he goes back to Chicago and quits. So we have people using heroin without becoming addicted, people becoming, addicted or bad users and quitting. We have people who drink all the time without showing negative effects. We have people that drink, Ruth, drink all the time like Wendy who relies on it when things get bad. And we have her father who's some kind of a conniving alcoholic, but very competent. And then we have an AA member. A, guy, a detective shows up, a private detective shows up from Chicago. And in the course of events, he's talking to a compulsive gambler he says, the guy says, maybe I want to go to a 12-step program. And you don't see much about this guy's drinking. He says, AA saved my life. So contained within this multiplicitous series is every kind of use of, every, of heroin and alcohol, good, bad, and different, going bad, recovering in different directions, 
it's like um, it's painted using the full palette, the range and use and outcomes from substance use. So while Jason Bateman has been leading an extremely distinguished and respectable life, he's painted a multicolored masterpiece of diverse substance use. Mm, good point. I hadn't uh, really hadn't thought of it that way. Have you uh, watched the series? Well, I've watched enough to, to have get on all those elements. No, I haven't finished watching it, so don't, no spoilers. I mean, they, they have every scene. Ruth opens a can of beer. Every mm -hmm. scene, and every time Wendy sits down, she has some wine. You're thinking, well, he's definitely going to have them go to AA. This is a it's a prelim to showing they're alcohol dependent, but they're not. They're just those people living their lives, going up and down. Right. Those things are like quirks instead of uh, the, not part, really part of the storyline. It's like, like you can see it as part of their character, but right. Not not an interesting part. Exactly. Well put. They're quirks of the people. So I just want to tip my hat, you know, to Jason Bateman. I hope he doesn't write. I think he's 55. I don't know. Maybe I don't see a, I was abused. I was a trauma victim memoir coming from him. I'm just not smelling it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. In part because he doesn't have anything to explain away, you know what I mean? Um, it's, you know, there's that old saying, success is the best. Some people say success is the best revenge. I would say success is the best outcome. End up your life in a reasonable way with your family and professionally as an actor, as a producer. Um, then you, you sort of don't need to write your uh, trauma memoir. It's interesting, isn't it? If you ask uh, if someone's going to be born, do you think it'd be better for them if they had a good relationship with their family or a bad relationship? You'd say a good relationship. I imagine if you ask uh, Jason Bateman and you said that you said if you could do it all over again, would do you wish you had a better relationship with your family? He's probably, I, I don't know, but he seems like the kind of guy who might say, I just enjoy my life now. And, you know, what happened? Well, happened. The answer to that question is, um, one of the lines is, well, people who had traumatized upbringings, about both uh, both Heard and Depth talk about that. And so the best revenge to a, a less than ideal upbringing is to create a family that does better. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So now you have those components. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, well, I just want to end up on a happy note. When we go over current events, all of these things, Naomi Judd's suicide, the her death trial is still not over. And um, they just completed the last episode of season four on Ozark. So the panoply of drug, alcohol, addiction, love addiction, drug addiction, mental health, treatment, and suicide has all been disgorged on us just in the last week or two. If I can reflect, I, so you started with Naomi Judd and, you know, you worried that someone could listen to you and think, well, how could you, you know, disrespect her name? She just committed suicide. And you might say, uh, well, actually using her name as the advocate of mental health treatment and her suicide and saying people don't access enough treatment, let's double down. That might be actually disrespecting her legacy more than anything. And, and it, wouldn't be a construct, it, it wouldn't be a value true to me mm -hmm. to being to trying to better the world. Right. We looked at the Amber Heard. Well, you, you talked about the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case and 
if you're going to make content about that, you either have to be the first one to reflect on like some testimony. Or you have to do something that's uh, novel that people aren't talking about. And I don't think, I mean, people certainly see that their relationship was destructive. I don't think people are thinking about it in terms of addiction, like any other addiction. Uh, so that was a, you know, an interesting spin to put on that normal human behavior gone awry into the absolute depths of destruction. And uh, let's see, what did we go to next? We talked about uh, Jason Bateman. We talked about Jason Bateman. And so that you did have a quote that said that basically saying that the trauma narrative just sort of spins in circles. So it's not really, you can't really and make trauma narratives dominate everything and they're self-immolating. You can't escape them. I can't label Jason Bateman's life traumatic, but he's escaped whatever issues he's had in terms of at least putting, fitting them into a better life. And as you wanted to do, let's end it on that in a positive note. And I really appreciate it. Take good care.